KVMR-FM Nevada City, KCPC Camino. You're tuned to Community Radio. It's 6 o'clock and it's time for tonight's evening news. After an update on the Caldor fire, the California report covers a San Diego County Board of Supervisors measure that declares medical misinformation a public health crisis. After a look at regional news and weather, we'll spend some time with Trina Bristol in this week's Brave Hearts. Tonight, Trina shares what it's like to live with Huntington's disease as a homeless person. We close our newscast with an essay by Molly Fisk. This is the California Report. I'm Lily Jamali. President Biden has approved an emergency declaration for counties impacted by the Caldor fire burning in the Sierra foothills here in Northern California. The declaration will provide federal assistance for emergency response and recovery efforts in El Dorado, Amador, Alpine, and Placer counties. Meanwhile, some communities north of Highway 50 on the western flank of the fire are preparing to head back home as evacuation orders in parts of Pollock Pines and Camino have been downgraded to warnings. But there are still major concerns about fire activity near the Kirkwood Ski Resort and Wrights Lake. During a briefing last night, Cal Fire Deputy Chief Mike Marcucci walked back previous comments by fire officials about trying to push the fire towards the Tamarack Fire. That is not the case. So the fire is moving towards the Sierra Front, and our goal right now is to put in line around it, first of all, to keep it out of the communities and keep it to the east right now currently of South Lake Tahoe, but also to come around that fire to some... uh, I guess I'll say really well put in fuel modifications that have been put in around the Heavenly Ski Resort that were already there before the fire, and we can tie into those to hopefully box this fire in. The Caldor fire has burned nearly 208,000 acres and has destroyed about 600 homes. It's 23% contained. We're going to go to San Diego now, where the County Board of Supervisors has passed a resolution declaring misinformation about the pandemic a public health crisis. The debate over the proposal earlier this week lasted 15 hours, most of which was public comment. The majority of people were against the resolution and said it amounted to censorship. But supporters like Amber Tervroot with Scripps Health said the consequences of misinformation can be deadly. You know, misinformation is a poison to our communities and it is having a ripple effect in our hospitals. We have a pandemic of the unvaccinated. Nathan Fletcher, who's the chair of the Board of Supervisors there, said the resolution wouldn't affect freedom of speech. The sun will come up in the morning and everyone who's here will still have the exact same ability to speak out and to say whatever it is you would like to say. Our county will be on record calling out misinformation for what it is and our county will be more engaged. The resolution directs the county to document sources spreading misinformation and to adopt training for health professionals to combat it. Well, yesterday we talked about the potential criminal justice impacts if Governor Gavin Newsom is recalled and a Republican replaces him. Today, we look at what a new state leader might do around health care and the budget, including the COVID-19 response. From KQED's politics team, Marisa Lagos and Scott Schaefer have this report. It seems pretty likely that if any of the leading GOP candidates replace Governor Newsom, statewide COVID-19 mandates for masking and vaccines would end. Any emergency or executive action that this governor has taken could be undone on day one of the new governor. That's Republican Mike Genest, who worked as former Governor Arnold Schwarzenegger's finance director. He supports the recall. 
A governor can sign an executive order at uh, noon, five seconds after he's sworn in. And I, I imagine some of these candidates, if elected, are prepared to do that. While many recall supporters likely would cheer such a move, polls show a majority of Californians support Newsom's pandemic approach. And Dana Williamson, a top aide to former Democratic Governor Jerry Brown, warns that rolling back those requirements could have far-reaching consequences. Williamson opposes the recall. Day one, whoever replaced Newsom could walk in, get rid of all of those orders, and we could have complete chaos, lots more kids exposed unnecessarily, our hospitals overrun, businesses having to shut down. It's a very, very real possibility that we could have a very ugly situation in California if this recall were to pass. Less clear is whether any of the leading GOP candidates would try to prevent local governments from keeping their own pandemic mandates in place, a move currently being challenged in court in GOP-led states like Texas and Florida. But those who work in state government say COVID-19 response isn't the only thing a new governor could disrupt. Anyone who gets services in government could be immediately impacted. That's Dana Williamson again. A governor does have power to slow down or stop those programs through simple administrative maneuvers. Yes, there are lots of laws protecting Californians, but the Department of Healthcare Services has a ton of regulatory authority on policies about how money gets out, how things are funded. There's also the potential for less quantifiable impacts, says Daniel Zingali, who's worked for Republican and Democratic governors. He says agencies like the Department of Healthcare Services could see a brain drain if staff is demoralized by a new governor's approach to health care or pandemic response. Well, I think many of the current people are just hanging on out of dedication to fighting the pandemic and so on. If they felt like a new leader came in and didn't have that as a priority, you'll probably have some exodus. And then there's the budget. A new governor would take office at the end of October and almost immediately get to work putting their stamp on next year's spending plan. This would be a new governor's biggest opportunity to change the direction of state government, says Hoover Institution fellow Lonnie Chen, a Republican who's running for state controller. It is a way of sending a strong message about what the priorities of an administration are and where the administration is going to fight with a legislature, you know, because you are going to see probably a lot of policy conflict, presumably. And regardless of what a governor proposes, the legislature has a say, too. In fact, former administration officials on both sides of the aisle agree that a stalemate with Democratic lawmakers is all but inevitable. And with only a year until the governor, whoever it is, runs for re-election, the former Schwarzenegger aide, Janesse, says a new governor's most powerful tool might just be the bully pulpit. The only thing that can really happen is an acknowledgement that we need to change direction. One former Republican assembly leader says he would urge any new governor to find common ground with lawmakers. Here's former San Luis Obispo Assemblyman Sam Blakesley. When you're a governor, if you cannot work with the legislature, you cannot solve problems. Given the heated and partisan campaign rhetoric, it seems like that sort of cooperation might be a tall order for both a new governor and the Democratic-led legislature. For the California Report, I'm Marisa Lagos. And I'm Scott Schaefer. Support for the California Report comes from Hint. Fruit-infused water in over 25 flavors like watermelon, pineapple, and blackberry. No sweeteners, no calories, in stores or delivered from drinkhint.com. Eric and Wendy Schmidt, whose philanthropy harnesses the power of people and science to create innovative solutions for a healthy environment, just societies, and opportunities for human achievement. 
and Stanford Medicine, protecting your health and providing dependable care with safe in-person appointments and video visits. StanfordHealthCare.org slash AdaptingCare. And that is the California Report for this Thursday, September 2nd. We're a production of KQED Public Radio. I'm Lily Jamali. Thank you for listening. Locally, we look first at COVID-19 numbers. Nevada County reports 141 new confirmed COVID-19 cases. 712 are active, 22 are hospitalized. Moving to Colfax, Perfect Union, a California-based cannabis operator, announced today in a release that it's donating $10,000 to the Colfax Firefighters Association. The association is raising funds to help survivors of the River Fire cover expenses and rebuild their lives. Perfect Union's in-house cannabis cultivation brand, Fireworks Farms, will operate a 20,000-square-foot commercial facility in Colfax and has future plans to open a Perfect Union dispensary in Grass Valley. As future members of the community, we're committed to keeping this a great place to live, work, and play, says Perfect Union CEO David Spradlin. And with so many devastating wildfires raging through the Colfax area, We wanted to make sure our employees and neighbors knew that we had their back. My profound thanks to the firefighters who worked tirelessly to keep this community safe. Colfax Mayor Pro Tem, Trinity Barres, adds that, quote, For this community to experience the river fire and then three additional wildfires within 72 hours is unprecedented. We appreciate Perfect Union for stepping up to the plate to help survivors rebuild. We hope others will join or consolidate their efforts with the Colfax Firefighters Association so we can help neighbors as quickly and as efficiently as possible, end quote. And Pacific Gas and Electric, PG&E, announced today that it will also contribute $1 million in charitable giving for the 2021 wildfire season. As part of its overall pledge, PG&E is contributing $100,000 to assist communities impacted by the Caldor Fire in El Dorado County, which has consumed more than 200,000 acres and continues to grow. This includes $50,000 to the California Association of Food Banks Rapid Response Fund, which helps local food banks purchase food, supplies, and increase their staffing. PG&E also is providing funding to the El Dorado Community Foundation's Caldor Fire Fund. The foundation is dedicated to serving those in need through the direct support of community and organizations. These charitable donations will come from PG&E shareholders and not PG&E customers. And now for regional weather. For Grass Valley and Nevada City, tonight mostly clear with a low around 55. Tomorrow, sunny again with a high near 87. Although we've had a good run, tomorrow's AQI will climb to 134 unhealthy for sensitive groups. In the Truckee and Lake Tahoe region, tonight mostly clear, but widespread haze after 11 p.m. Tonight's low will be 39 degrees. Tomorrow will be sunny with widespread haze and smoke, and the high will approach 78. Tomorrow's AQI for the region will be unhealthy at 175. And for the Central Valley, Woodland and Sacramento, tonight mostly clear with a low around 54, Then it's sunny and hot tomorrow with a high near 92. The AQI for the valley tomorrow will be moderate at 79. You can monitor air quality measurements and check forecasts at fire.airnow.gov.
Next, let's listen to Bravehearts. This week, Trina Bristol shares what it's like to have Huntington's disease while living in a car as a homeless person. Welcome to this edition of Bravehearts. Where we hope to increase your awareness and understanding of what homelessness looks like and some of the many organizations working on solutions to improve the homeless crisis. We are your hosts, William Wallace and Betty Louise. And these are the Bravehearts. This is part two of Trina, our Harvard grad who lives in her car in Nevada County. So, like, what did you have to do to get your car and life ready to live out of a car? Unfortunately, you know, I had had these, like, two uh, camping mats that I just, like, stack on top of each other. If one wears out, I'll just put the other one on. So, I actually kept those. Just kind of on a feeling. Well, I was thinking, well, just in case something does happen, because... Uh, oh, that's the other place. The, ho- the house is an extremely high fire risk. PG&E actually did a lot of work up there last year. And that's the other thing too. When I saw that fire, oops, but that's the path of that that the fire that got Chicago Park, the River Fire. And so you know, that's the other thing too. The other reason, the fire risk, which I know from my own background, I did a lot of volunteer work up at the Rim Trail and how the trees have become, essentially they're kindling, they're extremely dry, and for a variety of reasons they're extremely flammable, and that's kind of what's driving a lot of this. Uh, oh, and the other thing too is, you know, people, you know, they won't do any sorts of defensible space, which mm. can accelerate things, so that's another thing I didn't have to worry about, <laughs> being burned right. out of Having a home comes with a lot of responsibilities. But you've never really shied away from being responsible <laughs> in your yeah. life. Yeah, but that's something I'd much rather have the electric forerunner. Now it's gonna take me a while. I wanna probably cover most of it. Also, it gives me a chance to really improve my credit rating, which is actually good. So what but are your what are your goals? Would you um, like to live in four walls or you'd just like to have a nicer, bigger car? You know, I think I'd rather rather like the forerunner. Would you mind just taking us through a day in your life? I could have a five. That way, the gym, they they reduce their hours and stuff. And stuff that way. I think I like to be here a little earlier. I like to read and stuff and check stuff out. Take a shower. Do my workout. Probably get to the uh, hill walk between hill five and six. Uh, see, that's like six days a week, and then the seventh day, I, I take a day off. I head to Auburn. Oh, there, there is one thing with um, the battery. This is to supercharge the battery. Sometimes it'll drain. I figured out how, you know, to keep it from like draining unnecessarily. Like, actually, you'll be surprised. Like stuff like doors and the CD player, which I really hadn't used the CD player, but I had to be careful, especially when uh, the co-op was closed. So, I was spending a lot more time in the car. Then the cops would stop harassing. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that because I know that was an issue before. What is yeah, your relationship still, now? Well, oh God, it was hilarious. Actually, so I was leaving here and. 
had to go to the bathroom real bad. I had a, had a bit of an attack. I was walking, and I am thinking probably with the Huntington's or something, sometimes I have like a, maybe a minor limp. I don't notice it, but somebody else did. And so I get back into my car, and they, uh, I got reported on suspicion of like drugged or drunken driving. And so it was like they just, so what happened is they had followed me, and I was going to the gas station. They parked outside, and they were like, well, you know, we got a report on you. And the thing is, I really don't say anything about my disability because I get harassed through that. I, I get, it's like, if I, I'm disabled, they're like, well, are you sure you can drive? Well, if they would spend several minutes observing, they would. The problem with the cops is, like, they're like, they have no observation skills. So when it comes to something that might be potential, like, drug bust, they're like kids on a fishing trip. I think I caught a whale. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but I was in the gas station, and they still wanted to like test me. I had to, and there was a guy in the room. He was number me up from the chair. So they were putting you through a drunken driving test. Yeah. The thing is, I mean, they, there's no accountability, and when you have no accountability in organizations, you know, you just got terrible performance, and it impacts all of them. But for them. You should probably just like maybe follow them for a while, maybe watch me a little while, watch me drive out. I mean, obviously, somebody in higher drug can't, is not gonna be able to handle their like card very well. But these are the things, like I said, that you're supposed, you should be observing people for several minutes or four. But no, they just jump the, you know, there's no time spent, you know, confirming somebody's situation. Thank you for joining us today. Our hope is this segment has opened your heart and mind. Be well and be kind. This project was made possible with support from California Humanities, a nonprofit partner of the National Endowment for the Humanities. Please visit calhum.org. And now, Molly Fisk. Molly Fisk, Observations from a Working Poet. I asked a librarian friend of mine the other day if she sings the alphabet song when she's cataloging books. I always sing it as I peruse library shelves for new mysteries or look things up in the dictionary. Whenever I mention this song to people, I am met not with raised eyebrows and haughty looks, but with other songs and mnemonics. This same librarian recited phrases whose first letters spelled out arithmetic and geography. Someone I went to school with reminded me that my very elegant mother just sat upon nine pizzas was the way we'd been taught the order of the planets as they circle the sun. I can still sing you, but I won't. A little math song I learned in fifth grade to remind us what the square of the hypotenuse of a right triangle is equal to. I can't tell you how happy this makes me, to know that our childhoods are still inside us like this. I don't recall much else from grade school, which makes me wonder about the power of both music and memorizing. For me, sound and repetition are the big transporters. 
Proust had his Madeleine, but I have Neil Young wailing Southern Man, and immediately I'm back at the kitchen table, trying to write a report on Nicaragua as the rest of the family mills around and California winter rain sluices down the glass doors. Our music teacher single-handedly dragged the whole eighth-grade class through a year of rehearsals to perform Gilbert and Sullivan's HMS Pinafore, which, 37 years later, I could probably sing you at least two-thirds of if you paid me a lot and I had a couple of hours to spare. I tell my writing students not to memorize anything they don't really love, because what they learn by heart will get into their bloodstreams and start coming out of their own pens and pencils. Even if you're not a writer, I think what you commit to memory matters. My niece, Joya, recently leaned forward in the car and recited the Jabberwock into my ear. She knew it perfectly. When I bragged about her to my ex-boyfriend, he reeled off the first lines himself without missing a beat. It made me so jealous. But she is a Waldorf student, not the norm. I worry what will become of us when knowing dialogue from Star Wars movies by heart replaces Lincoln's Gettysburg Address in our national consciousness. Maybe it already has. You are probably still wondering about the librarian. Of course I sing the alphabet song, she said, especially between G and M. I was delighted to hear this. There's a lot of conflict in our country right now. I know I don't need to go into the details, because you know exactly what I mean. It gives me a little hope to think that library patrons and staff all across America are wandering through the aisles, united in muttering under their breath, A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I, J, K, L, M, N, O, P. Award-winning poet Molly Fisk writes, coaches, and teaches writing in California's Sierra Nevada foothills. You can reach her at mollyfisk.com. This program is produced at the studios of KVMR-FM, Nevada City, California. Funding is provided by Harmony Books of Downtown Nevada City and KVMR with support from the Corporation for Public Broadcasting. That wraps up our newscast for this Thursday, August 2nd. KVMR gets support from Bistro 221, American comfort food with Southern and Italian inspirations for lunch and dinner. Preparing homemade dishes, wraps, pastas, and burgers, utilizing the freshest ingredients available. Menu and information, bistro221nevadacity.com. And Harmony Books of Nevada City, locally owned for over 25 years next to the Chamber of Commerce at 130 Main Street. Open Monday through Saturday, 10 to 5.30. Sundays, 11 to 4. Harmony Books carries thousands of books, including local authors. Coming up next is Money Matters with Mark Cunaberti. Today's show is entitled Bad Feelings and the Stealth Tax. Then at 7, we bring you Democracy Now! with Amy Goodman. Thanks for listening and for supporting your community radio station. I'm Claudio Mendoza. Have a good evening. Thank you.